Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talk you some walkies. So, we have watched, uh, not just recently, but a while ago, uh, <laughs> Season 8, Episode 6, The King, The Widow, and Rick. We mm-hmm. apologize because we are a couple weeks off Um after this episode aired the following week, I just had a really busy week. Uh, my aunt passed away, and uh, yeah, it was just crazy. And uh, then Matt got sick, yeah. and so we're behind. Unfortunately, I doubt that we'll have the episode after this up before the midseason finale airs. Um, but we'll catch up eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have at least a month or two after (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah oh we also have feedback what well we have a message do we really yeah from let me see this is a first we don't even know how to read feedback (laughs) yeah oh we're bad yeah this is from mk um, we'll, we'll want to take it at the end. Oh, okay. Or do you want so, to do it right now? Cause it, it, she, she hits on all the points that I guess we'll be talking about this throughout the thing. So, okay. All right. So yeah, we'll do we'll, feedback we'll at, do the end. at the end. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's don't forget. Okay. I have it up. Okay. <laughs> Cause we would forget. <laughs> we would. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, Matt, why don't you give your initial thoughts on this episode? Boring. I literally wrote that down in my notes. Yeah. I did not like this episode at not even a little bit. Huh. Okay. The little bit that I did like, it was when it was when Maggie was on screen. Okay. Yeah. So I think. Well, judging by the the conversation that we already just had about the episode that aired most recently, mm-hmm. this is probably one time, the time in our podcast history where our opinions are going to be div- dividing the most, which mm-hmm. hopefully makes it interesting. But yeah, when this episode ended, I was like, that was a good episode. And <laughs> <laughs> and I was, the the reason that I said it that way was because... I realized that as I watched the episode, there was nothing that happened where I was like, wait, that made no sense. Uh, I had no moments like that. Um, There were no moments where the dialogue just like really made me cringe. There were a few moments that, you know, they weren't great in my opinion. But um, I thought that this was a good example of a good, not great episode. An episode mm-hmm. where it gave time to a lot of different stories, which I think is essential in order to build any sort of emotional connection with our characters. Um, I liked that it, it had multiple storylines going on. I liked that we saw a little bit of everybody. Um, I did think it had some nice moments. I especially liked the stuff going on at the hilltop. Um, and I thought it 
you know, some people would call it a filler episode. I actually hate when people use that term because a lot of the Same. time I think what people call filler is like necessary to mm-hmm. making any of those big moments actually count. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. And so I can understand why someone might call it a filler episode, but I still had a sense that most of what we were seeing was was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we can go through it, as we go through it, I'll point out a few moments that I, I didn't like. And, and the... <laughs> The the things that bothered me the most were things that I've already complained about in previous episodes. So, for example, the garbage pail people, they drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. But, like, what am I going to do? And am I going to complain about them afresh every yes. time they show up? Yes. <laughs> Please, join me. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll complain about them, fine. But, like, I'm not going to – like, at this point, the show is committed to doing something with these garbage pail people, right? I don't, I don't so, know why. But, yes, you're right. And similarly, it's committed at this point to having Jesus play things out, being the advocate advocate for um, the um, what do you want to call it? The rehabilitative approach, right? That annoyed me in the second episode when it first showed up because I was like, "This is out of nowhere. It's too extreme." But yeah. at this point, it's part of the storyline, so I'm not going to like count that aspect of it against the actual episode. I'm just. Now I'm working right. off the assumption this is the way Jesus is. So, yeah, the the things that would have bothered me the most are things that were established already, and I complained about them a bunch earlier. And so yeah. now I'm just – I'm fine to let them work themselves out. Um, okay, so in, in the spirit of that, um, there is still one thing that I think I'll be complaining about till the end of this season or maybe just season finale or a mid-season finale what is the plan <laughs> what is the plan and i i huh, i i want to be on board and i want right. to understand what everyone is talking about i want to yeah. know why rosita and Michonne feel the need to go uh, deviate from the plan. I want to know why Aaron feels the need to deviate from the plan and, and Daryl feels the need to deviate from the plan and why Rick feels so gung-ho about the plan. I want to know what this plan is in order to to have any kind of emotional reaction to it. Like, no, don't do that or mm-hmm. stick with the plan or, yeah, that plan is bullcrap. Go do – yeah, that makes more sense. You know, I have none of those feelings because I don't know what it is. Right. <clears throat> no, and that's I, not I, – Yeah. I hear you That's not going to change. Just like you said, it's just like the Garbage Pail Kids, just like Eugene's mullet, just like Rosita <laughs> brooding. It's not going to change and I have to accept it. Um, but that doesn't mean I like it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, we at least we got a little bit of insight into the plan. We can That's talk because we, it's unfolding. Yes, <laughs> we can we can talk about whether or not we think that plan is insane or not. Um, yeah. I think the plan should have been to have everybody put their guns on Negan the moment he strutted out in episode one, and just end it right there. Yeah, like that I was mean, it. That- that would have been the best plan, <laughs> but this is The Walking Dead. Yeah, and so. and so that is an example of something that could 
because it happened in episode one, ruin every episode in the rest of the season for me if I focused on it. Yeah. Because everything that's happening now just seems completely <laughs> unnecessary. Only yeah. one person has to die. And there he was right in front of you. And, you know, they could have solved that by bringing up the ammunition issue. Yeah. Because in last year's uh, season, they have the ammunition issue, and that's why Eugene is supposed to make the bullets. And if there's an ammunition issue, they can't just kill Negan because they have to have enough ammunition for backlash to save themselves, to, to make sure that when there's, when there's retaliation, they have enough to, to defend themselves. Okay. So just approaching him and, and killing him would be foolish if they didn't have enough ammunition. But they, they don't even talk about that. It's it's mentioned in pe- oh we we can't talk about that because that's the episode that we just saw so oh yeah yeah you know, we're ahead of ourselves but yep well yeah we we don't know the plan we have not allowed been given insight into the plan we just have to let it happen and um, yeah yeah that's unfortunately just the way it is mm-hmm. want to get into it. Yeah, so in the cold open, uh, we see Rick walking to execute the last part of the plan, whatever that is. That's what I wrote in my notes, whatever that is. (laughs) Uh, We we take notes the same way then. Yeah. (laughs) So we get uh, some shots of Daryl, the kingdom, Maggie, and Aaron. Um, I... I've been thinking about this because I'm trying to figure out if it makes sense. But you see that Rick, Maggie, Michonne, um, they are all reading letters. Oh, Carol, too. They're all reading letters, right? And there's voiceovers that from Maggie and Rick and I think maybe Carol, too, um, that are supposed to be the content of those letters. And yep. I just thought... It's kind of weird that those letters – it seemed like some of those letters might be responding to each other and, yeah. and there's just not enough time for that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, that- because we did get some information in this episode that I, I wanted to know. And again, I'm not sure if it works out, but Michonne made it clear that this has been going on for a day and a half. Yeah. This whole season has been a day and a half. Yeah. So the events unfolded. Letters were written. Letters were carried. <laughs> To the respective places, and maybe I'm wrong that there was any responses going on, you know? It seemed that way. Yeah. uh, I'm trying not to think about it that much. Well, I actually put down in my notes, wait, don't they have comms? Why why do they need a courier system? Can't they just get on a (laughs) (laughs) walkie-talkie? Because, Matt, this is the way things are done in films. (laughs) I think of that moment in the office when Michael Scott is like, write down how much money you want to make and then slide it to me across the table. <laughs> I think it's Jim. It's like, why can't I just tell you? Because that is how these things are done in films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So then we we see Jadis doing art, apparently in the nude. 
kind of weird. <laughs> and um, I didn't notice was... that till the second viewing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a knock on the door, and uh, it's uh, clear that that is is Rick, and that the last part of the plan involves Rick going to try and recruit the garbage pail kids. How do we feel about this? Okay. <laughs> I I don't have um I don't have a large enough time to truly convey my disdain <laughs> for these people. <laughs> if there was if genocide was committed and they just were wiped off the face of the earth, I'd be okay with it. They're not people to me. They're they are parasites of uh mankind. Maybe they're Nephilim. <laughs> and this is the land of Nod. <laughs> oh, the garbage heap is the land of Nod. Um, yeah, I don't understand why Rick's going back to them. The thing is, I've been mentioning this every week. The Walking Dead is falling into a trap where they're rehashing ideas and they're rehashing themes. They're doing things over and over and over because they're not spending time developing new and better ideas. Mm -hmm. And last year, I mean, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again. Is Rick insane? Because that would – I would think it would be insane to go back to these people and ask them to be a part of his revolution. Right. Even if he's giving them the ultimatum of dying, don't trust them. That like you, you to go up against an enemy. I don't care if you like the the your your allies or not. You have to trust them. It's it's impossible to go up against your enemy with an ally if you don't believe that your ally will stay on your side. Right. There is a 50-50 chance that Jadis could flip and give any plans that Rick doesn't tell us to the saviors and uh, backstabs Rick. Um, she's shown it before. Why wouldn't she do it again? Right. And it, 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 this whole like haggling – oh, we, that's in the other episode. Sorry. Um, I Yeah, I just don't agree with this plot. I think this plot is plotting and it's horrible. So I agree with you in the sense that I have great disdain for the garbage pail kids. I, I am so frustrated that they talk the way they do. And I always will be. Um, yep. And I, I still get so frustrated that I feel like they had an out that moment in the seventh season finale when they tricked everybody and the one on the roof turned to Michonne and was like, we mm -hmm. win. She should have at that moment started talking like a normal person. Yep. That would have been perfect. It would have been like, oh, they played us. How yeah. dumb were we not to see through that? Yeah. Um, so I, I always feel like that was a lost opportunity. Um, but as it is, this is truly the way that they speak. And um, we probably... <laughs> like Yes. <gasps> they're they're the segue to season 10. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes perfect sense. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I will feel disdain for them because of the way they talk, because they're just like these shells of human beings, not really human beings. Yep. Um, now, as far as did it make sense for Rick to do what he did? My On first blush, like, I just thought, of course not. Like, it's such a stupid thing to do. But it depends on how necessary extra bodies really are to fight that war. You know, I'm, I'm not really convinced that they need them to get the job done. And so because of that, it just seems totally extraneous. It seems like mm-hmm. needlessly reckless. Yeah. If, if the show had done a better job of convincing me that they absolutely needed this ex- these extra bodies then maybe I'd be a, l- a little bit more inclined to accept the riskiness of the proposition because you do have to admit that in every war in history, there are always some mercenaries, you know, mm-hmm. people who fight not because they're really loyal to a particular side, but because they're getting paid and right. that's what they do. And it it seems like at best, the Garbage Pail Kids could be mercenaries, but of course they need to be convinced that they're getting paid the best price for what they're doing. So, you know, um, before they thought Negan's going to give us a better price. And so Mm -hmm. they work for him. And Rick thought that he had a proposition because he brought the Polaroids and everything where, look, it's basically over. We just need you to help us tip the thing over and finish it. And if you don't garbage pail. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, then he does have a pretty compelling argument that you saw what we just did to the saviors. Like, we'll just come and kill you. And so I do think that Rick Rick had a compelling reason to think that he would be able to manipulate these people who are basically just looking for the best deal in order to protect themselves and, you know... He had some 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 real reasons to think that he'd be able to manipulate them into fighting. If Negan could manipulate them to being on his side because he was going to give them the best deal, Rick probably thought he could do it. Yeah, I just don't I just don't understand why why them. Um I mean, in this world we still have the 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 ocean side people. We haven't even utilized that connection. Right. They, though, I'm pretty sure they're a lot farther away. Oh, I mean, how do we... I guess we don't really know, right? Right, yeah, it's hard to tell. I perceive them as being farther away. Um, But Rick went on that whole thing last season where he's like, we need to go take the guns. Yep. And sure, now... uh, Or then they weren't able to get them on their side, but now he has proof. He has photographs. Mm-hmm. Do what you do true. with J- Jadis. That's true. But Jadis and company actually have weapons, right? Well, the ocean side has an arsenal. But they took it. Right? Did they didn't take all pe- of it? Didn't our people take everything? Left, I thought they left uh, like half or something. I don't think so. And I seem to remember that that was part of our discussion about the ethics of that move. Like... You just left this community completely unprotected. Hmm. Hmm. 
But I mean, whatever the but case. bodies would still be important. Yes. Yeah, that's true. You know, if it's bodies that you need, then put a gun in their hand. But here's the, another problem: we don't have the bullets. Mm-hmm. We don't have the bullets. And they need to figure out the ammunition thing, and it seems like the writers just don't care. Like, well, bullets, bullets. It's like Daryl's quiver. You know, they regrow. <laughs> <laughs> they catch the bullets in rain buckets when they fall during the storms. So, all that to say, like, my takeaway in the end is that although it seems reckless, if it really is true that they need the bodies, I can understand Rick thinking that this could work. Um, so that's my... It seems so foolish to me still. Yeah. It just seems like, yeah, like you said, it's reckless and foolish. And it and it feels very... Um, because we know the other side of it now, that Rick isn't the leader anymore. He's There's a coup. There's an uprising. He's being usurped. Um it makes him look like a fool even more because here's another problem. If we knew the plan, we can decide that Rick is a good leader and his plan works. And we could be rooting for Rick right now to be like, let the guy do what he does because he's, he's a boss right now. Like he's killing it and everyone else is being foolish. But right now, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, can we move on? Mm-hmm. So we're at the hilltop. Jesus is passing out some food. He tries to give some to Jared, and Jared is like, yeah, keep it. This guy. Yeah, just throw it at his head. <laughs> <laughs> Just he like deserves nothing. Stuff the turnip in his mouth. That's what I said. <laughs> they just try to make this guy as horrible as possible. Uh, that's continues throughout this episode. Uh, Maggie's mad. Jesus is giving away their food. Gregory thinks they should just build the gallows already. At this moment, it was the first time that I thought to myself, kind of weird that gregory is always in a suit (laughs) yeah i thought that once before it's strange isn't it yeah (laughs) he is a southern gentleman yeah southern i don't disagree with gentle weasel what gentle weasel (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i don't honestly i don't disagree with jesus here i know we were talking about how a lot of things with Jesus feels contrived lately. And I agree with that. However, we have these, we have these prisoners. It would be horribly, uh, evil. I I don't know. Well, evil might not be the word that might be way too strong of a word, but I would have a moral problem with if they had a mass execution, Mm -hmm. build the gallows and and kill everyone here. If if we can't make the trade, um, Like Maggie suggests that another part of the episode that, you know, if they need to, if it comes to that, um, yeah, that would, that would, that would be very uncharacteristic of our team, of our, you know, of the Alexandrians to do something like that. And, and uh, I'd lose a lot of respect. 
Mm-hmm. And also, you know, if these are the sort of people that primarily join the saviors because it was the way to get food and survive, right. well, if you want them to be loyal to you, give them some food. You yeah. Know, provide yeah. for their needs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, we go to the kingdom. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so we go to the kingdom, and Jerry is standing outside of Ezekiel's uh, auditorium slash palace. <laughs> and Palace theater. Yes. <laughs> Says to Carol, you know, the king is not accepting visitors. He told me I don't need to do this anymore. And uh, Carol is like yelling, you know, we have to we have to gather everybody who can fight and go help Rick. We still have to do our part in, in this plan. And uh, no, no response from Ezekiel. Um, some of this I feel like is just going to be like recounting stuff. I don't like, have any comments about that. It is what it is. You know. Yeah, I, the only thing I wrote down was this thing with the kid and Carol. We've seen it before. We've seen it before a lot. Yeah. Well, we haven't specifically seen Ezekiel humiliated. You know. Oh, oh, no, no, oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I okay. I oh, okay. I miss. I heard. I heard Carol, not kid. So, yeah, the whole thing with Carol and the kid. Yeah, yeah. That is something we have seen many times before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, now we're at uh, Rick and the Garbage People. Um, I will say I did kind of like the way she was like, I shot you. In other words, how, why would you ever come here again? And the way Rick was just like, you grazed me. You know, if if you if you had shot me, I'd still be mad at you. But you grazed me, and I like that for two reasons. One, I just like the kind of like dark humor, and and two, yeah, you better have just been grazed because that made zero sense. So, like, I liked that at least he clarified that. Like, the bullet didn't actually go in me. You know, mm-hmm. now why the bullet didn't actually go in him? Because I would think that that would be what Jadis would want to do. Um, and clearly, she had a a good shot there to do it. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense. But, you know, in, in the whole of the interactions between the garbage pail people and Rick that have ever taken place, I would say that would be my favorite one so far, which is mm-hmm. not really like high praise, but I did like that. Um, and I like that we finally understood, okay, here's why Rick's taking all these pictures. You know, it's primarily to try and persuade them to, join the the fight mm. and uh he basically proposes a deal be a part of the new world or we destroy you what I do you think about them. rick going there by himself foolish yeah because as we see and i was thinking about that during this episode if he was taken prisoner no one would know well I mean, he said, my people know where I am, and if anything yeah, happens if, to me, they're going to come. Yeah, no, I I don't think that would necessarily happen. I wouldn't believe him there. Because um, they all know the plan, even though we don't. Right. Supposedly, see, they all know the plan. 
And that's the thing is we were just so out of the loop that I really have no idea. Right. Yeah. Most annoying part for me of the Garbage Pail Kid interaction was the guy with the huge eyebrows going, threats and dreams, dreams and threats. Oh, my God. Kill me. (laughs) (sighs) It's just so bad. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so Jada says no. I don't know why, but she just says no. I think she just likes being contrary. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was goth before the fall of man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should keep speculating on who these people were before all this happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reasonable answers. <laughs> who was dreams and threats? Probably a taxi driver. Maybe. Threats and dreams. <laughs> dreams and threats. Maybe he was like a palm reader. <laughs> I can see that. Or a manager at Subway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Jada says no, and... Uh, can't remember if at this point we saw them putting Rick away, but I think we did. So uh, back to Gregory and Maggie, and Gregory is trying to talk like he's on Maggie's side, um, telling her to trust her instincts, and uh, they get in a little fight because Maggie challenges him and says, you know... um, that she she knew not to sell out the community to Negan like he did. Mm-hmm. And she says – Gregory says, like, don't judge me, Margaret, or something like that. Like, my motives were pure. I was trying to – what I was trying to do was in the best interest of this community. And I was trying to figure out, is Maggie actually short for Margaret or is that just supposed to show that Gregory doesn't even know her name? I just – I honestly just um, assumed that her name was Margaret after I heard it. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) He's just one of those guys. Right. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't sure which one it was. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever called her Margaret before. Yeah, it's true. Um... And Gregory says something about how you can't have wolves wandering around among the sheep, suggesting, like, you've got to just take these people out. Yeah. And I like how Maggie's just looking at him like, we can't have, we can't have you here. Yeah. This is a problem. So we see Rosita and Michonne for the first time since the Uh. first episode. Uh, this okay. Tell me about what you're feeling right now. This was insanely frustrating. It makes no sense to me. I just need to see it for myself. Do you? Do you? Re- <laughs> is that really what you need to do? I don't think so. And then, then when they get on the road, 
and 15 minutes later they're switched sides in the seats rosita's driving and michonne's in the passenger seat oh i didn't notice that literally in the next scene it cuts to them on the road they get in the car rosita gets in the passenger side they drive away cut on the road with them in the car, they're talking. Rosita's driving, and Michonne is in the passenger seat. <laughs> I missed that. Hey, well, maybe I Michonne just got tired even of believe driving. It. Huh? Maybe Michonne just got tired of driving. After 10 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, she's still recovering. I don't. I, I, this just screams to me reckless writing. Just. Well, let's well that's something. not even writing. That's just continuity, continuity. errors on yeah. the set. Yeah. It, I mean, the scene in general screams reckless or careless writing, I, I, I mean. Um, and yeah. So, yeah, we're jumping ahead a little bit because the extent of what we get in this scene is just... Right, they just close the door. Yeah, Michonne is saying that she wants to go and see it for herself and Rosita wants to come along because... Or well, Rosita argues her, <laughs> then she's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I'll go. <laughs> and Daryl has made it back to Alexandria, and he wanted to see Tara. And Tara says that she's glad that Daryl didn't kill Dwight initially because they never would have been able to do what they had done. But Tara's like, but when, it, when this is over, I'm killing Dwight anyway. Yeah. Uh, They're going to be partners in killing. Yes, and Daryl's like, maybe we could do it together. You hold one side of the blade and I'll hold the other. I'll (laughs) hold my bow and you pull the arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, I think that... So, yeah, my attitude towards this is that it's it's pretty it is actually believable that they would still hate Dwight that much that that they yeah, wouldn't I be agree. able to let go of being tortured by him essentially and um by uh Tara losing her girlfriend because of yep. him I I I do find that believable like even Glenn you know who's I would say more forgiving than either of them couldn't bear the thought of living in the same space as Merle, you know, mm-hmm. after Merle had done what he did to Maggie and to him. And, uh, so I get it. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like, come on guys, he did all this. And, yeah. you know, he was, the, he was also a victim too of, of the manipulation and, and cruelty of Negan Just as you guys have been, and I want them to let it go. But at the same time, I understand why they wouldn't. And so I I actually – like is a weird word for this, but the the drama of this I actually think is is pretty decent. Um, Yeah, I understand the logic behind it. It it doesn't matter to me either way. I really – well, it matters to me a lot because – not that I care a lot about Dwight, but – because I'm really concerned for Daryl, what that's yeah. going to do to him. Like, that's one of those things that... As a character. Yeah. yeah, once you do something like that, and he's been doing a lot of stuff lately, 
but that's a that's a big one. Um, yeah. I worry about what that might do to his psyche. Honestly, um, a part of me just thinks that Daryl would be fine because <laughs> he's such an animal to begin with. Like, yeah, he's he's sensitive in some ways, but like, yeah, cold blood murder, he's got that. He's all right. He's okay. <laughs> well, most of the people that he's killed, he's had a lot of psychological distance from them, mm-hmm. you know, but they haven't done something like what Dwight has done for the group. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that it would be it would be damaging. It wouldn't be a good thing. So, yeah, interesting to see where that will go. Um, see Jesus standing patrol by the prisoners at night. Um, there's a guy who's telling his own story. I think his name is Alden, according to the subtitles. Uh, he's sort of the, the one savior besides Jared that stands out, and he seems to be much more humane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Jesus says something about, like, don't pretend any of us are innocent. And he basically agrees. He's like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not an angel, Jesus. Yep. So, okay, now we have Michonne and Rosita. Uh, Michonne said that she uh, has had sirens going off in her head ever since everyone left. And uh, she tells us how much time has passed, a day and a half. It's been a day and a half of sirens. And so she's got to put these sirens to rest. And so she's just got to go and see the compound and see for herself that there are all the zombies around it and that everything's working according to plan and all the saviors are going to die and they're going to live in glory. See, Uh, to me, this is just a a writing decision that says we need a conflict here. We need Rosita – or we need some people to be in this one place at, at this point in time. So we're going to do this in order to get them there. And these are the events and this is the the motivation behind it. And it just is not in character for me, to me. The, mm. and the, Michonne is way too smart of a person. Rosita is way too stubborn. Um, and, and we're going to get to some other things about Rosita that I just don't. I, I I don't understand next week, but um, well, I think it's it's quite believable that Rosita would do this. You don't think so? I think it would be more believable if Rosita was the one that initiated it and didn't want Michonne to come with her. It was like, no, I'm going to do this on my own because okay. I'm a loner and I want revenge. Um. It would yeah. be more – it would be conceivable to me that Rosita would go out to try to, to exact revenge rather than uh, um, uh, uh, spectate. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, it seems weird that Michonne would even consider this. Well – it is true that Michonne, if there's if there's action going on, Michonne is usually in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. She's not one to be on the sidelines. And it's also true that she cares a lot about Rick and she cares a lot about the plan working. 
and I think, you know, from her perspective as well, it's not like there's a huge risk in going out to see this because I don't understand why, like, yeah. How many, how many times have you guys run into saviors on the road, you know, barricades mm-hmm. and the whole thing? Um, it just seems foolish to me. Like, wait till the dust settles a little bit. Wait till at least someone comes back with some news. And see, this is another part of the plan. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know when there's going to be updates. We don't know if there's going to be like a meeting. We don't know even what the plan is. So, again, well, the postal service delivered the letter that said that everything is working <laughs> fine. So, she knows that she can go look at it. Just look. So at she it. knows that it would be fine. She knows that everything is fine. So she doesn't need to go look. She just has to see it. <laughs> because the writing needs her to. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if it's so much that the writing needs it. I wonder if it's more just like these are two actresses that are contracted to appear in the show and they haven't been on it in five episodes. <laughs> so Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems very shoehorned and unnatural. So they stop the car because they hear music playing in the distance. And then they Fair. go and they follow the music. Um, and we cut to a walker reaching for a bag. It is apparently walked into a trap and Carl sees it. It's a trap set up by the guy that he tried to help earlier. Um, Carl offers him food and we find out his name is Sadiq. Um, is this a character in the comics? I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Um, and uh, Carl asks him the three questions that Rick would ask when inviting. I liked that. Checking, yeah, checking to see if somebody else should come into the community. He said that he's killed over 200 walkers. Uh, he's killed one person because the walkers tried to kill him, but they weren't able to. He did not say that he killed over 200 walkers. He said... I've killed 237 walkers, give or take. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And I wrote that down specifically because that's a very high number. So you must be a formidable zombie killer. Yeah. And you've lasted this long, so it's, it's conceivable that he has. But then you end that statement by saying, give or take a few. In 237 is a very specific number. You're going to lose track in like the hundreds. And if you're still keeping track in the 200s, you know to the number how many you've killed. Well, I I think that that additional statement there about give or take, he looks over at the one that's on, you know, on the pipe, on the spike. Right. And I think it was his way of saying like, well, I haven't taken care of that one yet. So. But he says a few. Give or take a few. So. To me, that was just another strike against the writers. If you're going to create this absurdly large number and 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 uh, hold to that, then, then hold to that. Don't, like, undercut it by saying give or take a few. Hmm. I just thought that was really dumb. It's just another really – it's it's a, it's a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it because, because of him looking at the one over there. Because he sets up traps so he doesn't know how many he's actually caught. Right, then don't you know, say any, 236. Your well, answer was better. I've killed somewhere in the 200s. <laughs> that would have been... 
<laughs> that would have been normal. Well, two, 237 is how many he's aware of at this point, but there could be other pike, spikes, you know, where walkers have come and gotten into his traps. That's fair. So. Let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he says he's only killed one person, and it was because um, that person was dying <clears throat> and had been attacked by walkers. Mm-hmm. And he says that he traps walkers because his mom thought that that would free their souls. And he's trying to honor his mom, who obviously is gone at this point. And, um, and he thinks, hey, maybe it works. So, maybe it works. So, I mean, obviously from the start, this guy has been presented as a very humane, likable person. Um, I definitely think Carl should trust him. I mean, in, in the post-apocalyptic world, in this world, you really can't just trust anyone, unfortunately. Um, but it's, I, I think it would be pretty easy to read someone if they are someone that you can just trust mm-hmm. because people are so gray in this world. And when you see someone that just shines, like they're innocent, mm-hmm. it sticks out. Right. I think. Right. And remember, people are a resource. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are money. Right. <laughs> chips on the table (laughs) (laughs) insane dialogue so uh then we see that little kid from the kingdom he's fighting walkers carol's like i told you not to follow me and he's like i'm not scared and she's like then you're stupid (laughs) 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 that is exactly what happens (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny um if i had a dime for every time a kid has annoyingly followed carol around and her (laughs) mock them and try to scare them into leaving her alone the only one that couldn't follow follow her around was sophia oh (laughs) yeah that's terrible yeah the other way what she went the other way that's right yeah yeah. So yeah, and and I I didn't realize this until this moment. Maybe we were supposed to, but the kid really wants to go fight because he wants to get the guys that killed his brother. So he's supposed to right. be Benjamin's younger brother. Yeah, he's Benjamin's button. <laughs> and it seems like once Carol hears that, she acquiesces to him. She's like, "Yeah, all right. Well, do you know how to use this thing?" And so. Um, uh, back to Maggie and Jesus, and they lead the prisoners into a pen. And Maggie says, you know, we're not going to stand for anything less than total cooperation. And this, I thought, was one of the biggest moments of the episode. Mm-hmm. Gregory's meltdown when he is put in the pen. I laughed out loud. Really? I did. Did so, you have, like, a sincere re- reaction to it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was so well played. On, oh yeah, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just—they've got me to the point with Gregory that it's funny to me that he's hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but then on second watch, 
I watched it and I was like, ah, yeah, that's rough to watch. Yeah. It, I, I felt it more. But the oh, first yeah. time I watched it, I was like audibly laughing. Right. I Yeah, I didn't laugh. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Super uncomfortable. He, he was really crying. Yeah, he was really crying. Like and, a baby. Yeah, just super pitiable and <clears throat> sad um, and totally deserved, obviously. Yep. You know, um, so I, I thought that was one of the, probably the strongest scene. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I laughed, I only (laughs) laughed one time. (laughs) Yeah. Just the way he's like, Oh God, I didn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) It was funny. And it's, it's also sad because he's under this delusion that seems to still hold on that people might respect him. I know. You know? And it's Which like so that was lost yeah. such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And just the way that the people that used to be like his right hand men are the ones that are putting him into the pen, you know, and he's looking at them like, Wait, you know, you guys you're I tell you what to do, you know. He's yeah. um yeah. That was uh well done. Um I, didn't I under- really liked. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I really liked seeing Maggie smack that uh, savior pervert. Oh face. yeah, yes, yeah. I that was the next thing I was gonna comment on. Jared, I think that's his name. You know, he. I don't understand what he tried to do there when the woman was opening the pen to put Gregory in. If he was trying to get, he was trying out. to take her gun. Oh, she, okay. She was putting it in her holster and she didn't buckle it. Okay. Okay. You know, that should be like strike 500 against that guy. I cannot believe that somebody doesn't just kill him. Yeah, you know, someone's got to I mean, Maggie just said we're not going to put up with anything other than right. total cooperation. And the yeah. guy tries to take a gun. Yeah. yeah. He <laughs> needs to be put down. Yeah. He he has shown himself completely untrustworthy like, so many you need times. To, if you need to prove to the saviors that you are ready – to take one of them out if they if they if they uh, are out of line, that was your opportunity. Right, right. But yeah, it was nice to see Maggie hit him twice, and actually see him like express some pain and you know like mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of fear was on his face, which mm-hmm. he has not shown at all. Mm. All right. So, oh, and after Jared gets hit, that guy Alden or whatever his name is, he says, thank you. And mm-hmm. I laughed in that moment because I thought he was thanking Maggie for hitting Jared. I did too. He didn't. But Maggie's response was something like, don't make me regret it, which made me think that it, oh, Maggie, yeah. Maggie was taking it as him thanking her for putting them in the pen and not killing them. Yeah, you know, like thank you for making this decision to keep sense. us alive. But I liked it a lot more. It's like, yeah, thanks for hitting yeah. that guy. <laughs> yeah, it would have been funny if she shot him, and then he was like, "Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then we had a scene that seemed primarily to function in order to get like the requisite zombies in the episode which was with Carl and Sadiq. Um, yeah, really hated this scene. Getting attacked. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it, but I just didn't have much of a reaction to it. I hated the scene because it showed that Carl has not progressed as a, a formidable fighter against zombies, which he has shown in the past. He gets bested by two zombies and then mm-hmm. they just start rolling up on him. And here's the thing. I get it that like when zombies come – like when you're pinned and you have three zombies on you, it's going to be hard to like not die. That's right. a tough yeah. spot to be in. However, they're all perfectly safe. They have their – they're in this vast forest with very thin trees. You know, They could maneuver around and – and they get into this these positions where they both get taken down. It was just <laughs> so stupid. Like, you guys have been living in this. This is your life. You've right. killed 207, 237 walkers, give or take, and you can't <laughs> take, take these down. Yeah, I, I guess that is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they should be able to just sprint. Right. They should have just boom, 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 done. Yeah. So that was my that was my irritation with that. Yeah. The function of the scene, besides just giving some zombie action, seems to be to kind of in, endear Carl to Sadiq, right. you know, because Carl doesn't abandon him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Rosita and Michonne end up at some sort of savior's outpost and we see the fat lady and I am so happy that when the saviors refer to the fat lady, they were not referring to Maggie as was my initial fear, (laughs) which is so wrong for two reasons. (laughs) One, you just don't say that. And, and two, she does not show at all. She still does not show at all. Yeah. I Um, forget that she's pregnant. Yes. And on a regular basis. (laughs) Both of us were not entirely right about the identity of the fat lady. It's not a nope. tank, and it's not Maggie. It is a vehicle that sings. The fat lady Opera. sings. So yeah, I actually liked way. that, you know, that made sense. Um, yeah, it did, make, it did make sense. So a device to lure away the walkers through Find noise. something in this show made sense. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Michonne and Rosita are listening to these two saviors talk about deploying the fat lady, and Michonne accidentally hits a tennis ball, which puts the two saviors see. Okay, 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 okay. Things go from here. I'm just going to say this. I've done my fair share of sneaking around in the dark. (laughs) Oh, yeah? And here's the thing. When you don't want to make noise, your eyes have this incredible incredible ability to see in peripheral you're able to see above you the size of you uh, um, at your feet and you typically when you're when you're sneaking around in the dark you typically know exactly where your feet are going and you don't hit anything like that's that's standard sneaking i speak i don't this way I don't because know. i am a professional sneaker um <laughs> <laughs> and, and not everyone can be as good of a sneaker as you <laughs> anyways i i was i was kind of upset about this because it seemed to be a device that the writers used in order for her to get found out it's easy it's a, it's kind of a tropey thing in movies you know you're sneaking around you bump something and, and it rolls out um it would have been more interesting 
for them because they never end up – here's the thing. They never end up um, uh, deploying the fat lady. And none of that – what happens in that warehouse ends up paying off. Um, the only thing that we needed to get out of this whole interaction, out of this whole uh, um, uh, struggle was to get Michonne and Daryl and Rosier and uh, um, uh, whatever her name is. Um, Tara. Uh, Tara. Tara. Um, in, in the same place at the same time. And they do that through this very extremely contrived coincidence where Daryl – T-bones the fat lady. Um, wow, that sounded terrible. <laughs> um, and uh, um, and they could have done that if Michonne and Rosita ended up getting the jump on these two people that were trying to deploy the fat lady and just took them out. Yeah. And then Daryl and, and Tara ended up uh, at the same spot. Like maybe they had a uh, word that there was a that that there was something happening there and they were going to go check that out as well they didn't need all these things to happen in order for these massive coincidences to work out because i didn't like anything that happened in this scene none of it none of it worked for me the huh. the the scene with the sword fight now now you're getting Mich- i mean cool michonne's using her sword but she's getting it destroyed by a metal rod and that blade isn't going to last um, and then you're gonna, then you get uh, Rosita shooting an RPG like ten feet away from her victim. <laughs> I did notice when that happened that there was no remains whatsoever <laughs> of the the guy that was shot. He is just completely obliterated instantly. Yeah, in indoors, like twenty feet away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. I think as hard as. You were. I mean, I thought that with the sword fight with Michonne, um, you know, I kind of liked that she was clearly still in pain because uh, mm-hmm. she was healing, and mm-hmm. that I think under ordinary circumstances she would have just taken care of that savior yep. pretty uh, pretty quickly. But she was definitely at a disadvantage there, and um, and I also, in retrospect, found it contrived that daryl just happened to be there at that moment to slam into the car oh but yeah but in the moment it didn't really bother me that much because i was so annoyed that they were getting away you know i was just so much like it's like in a in a dream when you're like trying to run but you're just like like really slow you know and i was like that stupid truck is getting away and so then when when daryl slammed into it it was just i was more just happy that it had happened looking back on it now i'm like yeah what the heck i mean it is believable to me that if daryl was driving and he saw a big car that was playing music that he would just slam into it because how else are you going to stop it you know and and he would definitely know like oh it's he would be able to hear it playing loud music and he would know this is to draw walkers away you know so it's believable to me that he would do that um and i guess what if it was the alexandrians that were trying to bring more walkers to the sanctuary. I think Daryl would know about that because Daryl knows about the plan. <laughs> That's true. But even even when they were driving away, when I was watching it, there's this way that people like in 80s movies, 
80s action films or 90s action films when they're when someone is getting away in a car just like when you're inside a car everyone's happy and they're like cutting back and forth from passenger to driver and like you see them looking at like looking away from this intersection that's coming up you know that any second someone's coming right into the uh, through the window and t-boning their car like you know it the anticipation's there it's gonna happen you know it's there mm-hmm same thing with like seeing a scene like that it's just the way they shoot it why are you shooting why are you taking footage of a car driving away like for a long period of time and and the shot is such a wide shot and they're approach like they're they're driving farther and farther away when is the scene going to end oh well obviously someone's going to t-bone them it still it still surprised me it still surprised me it worked on me that's fair <laughs> well, it's good to know that those tropes still work. <laughs> they don't always work on me. Yeah, yeah. But there have been times where they've worked for me with yeah. The Walking Dead. Carol returns to talk to Ezekiel. She's ready to blow the lock off the mm-hmm. door, but Jerry's just like, you, the door's not locked. So that was good. And um, then Carol and Ezekiel have a conversation. This was a moment in the episode that I felt like was supposed to affect me emotionally more than it did. Um, Okay. I mean, it was fine. That was, for me, it was just fine. The Ezekiel stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. I I agree. Um, It was supposed to probably have a little bit more of an emotional impact. And I, I, I get what they were doing, and I honestly, I really do like the turn that they're making with Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It just didn't really like hold the the weight. You know, and the they they kind of tried to steer it so that it wasn't just about Ezekiel and his view of himself and, and being a leader, but also like specifically what carol does for him right and um yeah i don't know whether that is feels believable to me or not like sure yeah um carol asks why did you keep coming to visit me and he says it was my duty to make make sure you were okay and then she says well why did you really and he says Mm -hmm. you just made me feel real and then carol is like well you are real to me and she's like crying as she says it Right. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was like well played by, uh, Melissa McBride and, 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 uh, Ezekiel, but, mm-hmm. um, I still didn't know if I really felt that relationship as being deep enough to provoke those kinds of sure. feelings. Yeah. Um, I did write down in my notes, I'm just realizing this now. I said Ezekiel and Carol's stuff is the best stuff in this episode. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> So, I think it's because it had uh, the most realistic qualities to the to the interaction than okay. everything else. Yeah, it felt more. It felt the most grounded and um, paid off. Uh, not not even paid off because I'm with you there. But um, I don't know. Yeah, there's just something to it. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that I really didn't like it this episode. So. <laughs> It's not very hard to. 
Um, and it's interesting how this whole speech that Carol is giving that's supposed to be inspiring and everything and, and is emotionally delivered just ends with Ezekiel saying, I can't. You know, like, they, you mm-hmm. need to be the leader. They need you to lead them. They need the person that inspired them to build this place to be it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And after all that, he just says, I can't. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, no, it's nice. Um, Jared, so yeah, back to Hilltop. Jared's trying to um, cut his ropes with a rock, and Alden bumps him to knock the rock out of his hands. And he's like... You know, basically, what are you doing? And Jared says, keep it together. This place is going to be ours. So apparently Jared has aspirations beyond just being horrible. Yeah. And he's probably going to get something out of it. He'll probably kill someone or something. I don't know. Mm. He just needs to die. Yeah. I, I think we might see that in the mid-season finale. I hope so. I feel like I don't think we will. You don't I, think I, so? I, so? I feel like they're they want to save certain things for those big episodes as payoffs, you know? Yeah. And we can hope, right? We can hope. <laughs> yeah. Um we see Aaron and Enid and Aaron's processing his grief, which I thought felt a bit developed for like a half a day, yep. you know, cause he was talking about how like I expect to see him and everything and yep. does it get easier? And I felt like, well, if the whole thing has been taking place over a day and a half, then it's like less than a day that you've been dealing with your yeah. grief. Yeah. So it seems a little premature to be asking those kinds of questions already. I think you just yeah. still be dealing with the shock. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, he says – he asks Maggie, does it get easier? And Maggie just says, no. But it helps to do something about it, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, motivates Aaron to go and leave and make sure that he's contributing to them winning and Enid goes with him. So that's obviously setting something up. I said, um, what's up with everyone leaving their bases? This can make more sense if I knew the plan. Maybe Aaron was supposed to go meet someone as part of the plan, but who knows? I don't. Yeah. So Jesus comes in the room. He says that Gregory's sucking up to the saviors now. And uh, Maggie, as you already mentioned, tells Jesus that uh, the saviors are being kept alive just as potential bargaining chips um, if they have... The saviors have some of our people, and in the end, they won't be able to let them live. Yeah. And Jesus obviously looks very disappointed. and Because um, that would be truly awful. Yeah, yeah, especially because by that point, there's probably at least a few that you'll feel like you've gotten to know, you know, yeah. like that Alden guy. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, uh, then we see Daryl and company looking at the sanctuary. Michonne, it is in fact there, and it is surrounded by zombies. That uh, that alarm in your head can stop going off. And Daryl's like, we're going to end this thing right now. Then episode closes with Rick in a dumpster naked. 
Yeah, and Jadis writing a weird A on the door. Yeah, what was that? Haven't we seen that A before? We've seen the W for wolves. I thought we saw it in A. Mm-mm, I don't think so. Huh. All right. So I'll give my numerical rating first. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this a seven. Good, but not great. I thought it was a good filler episode. I liked that we got a little bit of time with everybody. Um, there wasn't as much about it that annoyed me as it did you. I understand your complaints. Like, I don't think they don't have merit, but when I was watching the episode, I just didn't feel them the way you did. Yeah. Um, and there really wasn't any, like I said in the beginning, there wasn't any dialogue that made me cringe like the way Father Gabriel's did uh, the episode before this. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought it was a, a, a uh, like a passable, better than passable, a good filler episode. Yeah. So, seven. This episode failed for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I was extremely bored. Excruciatingly bored. I looked at my phone so many times. I couldn't wait for this episode to end. Like, honestly, just throughout wow. the whole thing, I was like, when is this over? Yeah. And when I had to rewatch it, I was dreading it. I was dreading the rewatch. Hmm. Um. And while there were things in this episode that I can appreciate, like the Maggie stuff and like the Carol stuff, there was just way too much in it that I hated that I can't even let those those elements of this episode uh, affect my, my rating too much. So I'm going to give this episode a two. Wow. A two. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it wasted my time, uh, and if I could get that time back, I would be a happier person. Wow. It actually, this episode almost made me consider: Do I even want to watch The Walking Dead anymore? Hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, it got me. I think that's a big reason why I feel the way I do about last week's episode as well. Hmm. Um. And there was one other thing. Uh, um, I can't remember because I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, uh, I love the walking dead. I used to love the walking dead way more mm-hmm. and i i'm upset about that because i feel like this show has so much potential and they 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 uh um skirt around very interesting things and um tease these important themes and they never do anything at the potential that they could um I think you as a is a very intellectual person and a creative person you can appreciate what they're doing and you you can you probably see more in it than what they even do because I I think I I I don't know sometimes I think like do they have 
different people writing on on in the same episode like for different things like the carol and ezekiel stuff did was someone just solely working on that and then everyone else was working on everything else in the episode hmm. or everyone else um yeah it just upset me it upset me a lot um well yeah. yeah i think a lot of the feelings that you're expressing that was more where I was at with like episode one of this mm. season. But yeah, I care about, I care about what's going on at the hilltop with the prisoner situation. I care about, um, what Daryl's attempting to do. I care, I care about, um, what else do I care about? I care about the situation that Rick is in at this point, even though I think it's mm. kind of dumb that he's in that position, but I, I do care about it. So, yeah, um, but yeah, whatever. We're we're gonna have different reactions. So, that's oh just, yeah, that's and, life. I, and the, you're right. It, it makes it interesting, and I love hearing your your point of view. I think I think if anyone's gonna have a valid point of view, you have a a very <laughs> persuasive perspective. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, that feedback. Feedback. Yes, let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> which is delivered by a courier uh, <laughs> instead of our walkie talkies right yeah yeah even <laughs> though we could just get the mail you know through our through uh messenger or twitter right yeah um okay so our first and only message says one of my first thoughts was where is the baby bump well <laughs> MK, we we asked the same question over and over. She's been pregnant for an awfully long time and isn't showing at all, uh, as far as we could see. Is this something that's been overlooked or is it on purpose? I don't think there's an answer for that. Maybe the baby is very small. Like, it's going to be a mini baby. It has a mini baby. It hasn't developed enough because when it began life, it was already a zombie and it was just stunted. Mm. And it doesn't have the teeth or the claws to be able to make any uh, impact. So it's just swimming around in there like. (laughs) (laughs) Not growing. Um, But then she would die. So that's probably not the case. Uh, Her second point says. I'm pretty skeptical of Sadiq. Obviously, he's new, but I'm not sure if I could trust him or not. Carl's known to get himself into trouble, even though we know that he only wants to do what he thinks is right. At this point, he's already entered into the rebellion stage, i.e. when he hopped on the truck to go kill Negan himself. Yeah, we kind of covered that. Uh, I, I trust Sadiq. Is, is she sending this message... Like after watching this episode that we just reviewed yep. or before? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That she is uh, quite skeptical. I Yeah. I, I remember on Talking Dead after this episode, they did a poll like, is Sadiq trustworthy? And it was 90% yes, 10% oh, wow. no. Yeah. And the general population there that watches Talking Dead, they can be kind of cynical. Yeah. So, but... Yeah. um. Yeah, maybe MK is seeing something we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. And then her last point uh, is 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 more of a um, 
observation than a question about the decrease in viewings. I've come across so many people that said they've stopped watching The Walking Dead because Glenn died. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can understand because Glenn was – he was uh, there in the pilot. You know, mm-hmm. he was a very important character and an awesome character at that. I know. I said was a big loss. Yeah, I've said it multiple times on the podcast. I miss Glenn. I still mm-hmm. feel that it was not a good move to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the show really lost something just in his presence, even when he wasn't doing a lot. There was just something mm-hmm. about him being there that provided this continuity and sort of heart center to the show um that is missing and um i do think that the show really is in a difficult position because it is a show that gets so much of its drama from the question of who will live and who will die and if you have a certain set of characters that are just completely untouchable then after a while people get bored because they really think these characters are untouchable. But at the same time, you kill people's favorite characters. They watch for the characters. It's not yeah. really the story <laughs> yeah. on The Walking Dead. It's the people. For that reason, Walking Dead is just in, in a unique predicament. Right. Maybe it's not entirely unique, but it's, it's especially pronounced on The Walking Dead because mm-hmm. it gets so much of its its drama from that question of who's going to survive. And, um, it's true. And, and I think it's one of the reasons that Walking Dead is in a position where it's exceptionally difficult for it to be high quality and highly engaging for an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've always been the kind of person that says you don't need to kill someone in order to have a good show. Um, and you don't need to kill someone in The Walking Dead to have a good show. I think the story um, – if the story's good, you can have everyone survive and it would be a good show. Um, the thing is, you have to make the characters uh, um, believably strong, like Daryl. I wouldn't believe if he just got into a position where he would die just by some walkers or from you know a, a foe or something like that, because he is—he's a hunter. He was a hunter before he was the apocalypse. He's—he's he's skilled. He's a skilled fighter, skilled marksman. Um, it's believable that he would survive and that, uh, of course, he can die. He's not immortal, but <laughs> he's not like Morgan and Morgul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, he's certainly capable and, and uh, it would be a shame if they killed him for drama. And I, I'd say uh, – I've been saying this for a while too. The Walking Dead needs to start killing off after I just got on that soapbox. <laughs> Walking Dead needs to really start killing off a lot of its characters right now because there's just way too many. There's so many they can't keep I mean, thank God it's whittled down from last season. Last season was just a mess of people. Um but they really do need to focus on their core characters that people love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or at least don't give the other people that much screen time you know yeah but then that's see i i think i know why they do that because 
if if you give all your screen time to the core characters, then all those ans- an- ancillary characters, characters, yeah, all all of them, people all know. Oh, those are the ones that will die. Those are the yeah. ones that are safe to die. But by starting to like spend more time with them, yeah, they still are probably the ones who will die. But you know, you care a little bit more. But I, you're I think in this that's middle what, ground where when they start developing them. You're like, oh, they're developing them because they're going to kill them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just does MK have any more there? That's it. All right. That's all we got. Well, thank you for listening, MK. Yeah. And thank and you for you the have... for the feedback. Yeah. And if you have any uh, any other questions or comments or things that you want us to say or give you a shout out, please send in your messages. On Instagram, you can DM us. Um, you can DM us on Facebook, and or if you have my number or Ryan's number, <laughs> you can text <laughs> us. <laughs> you can message us on Facebook too. And, yeah, and you can you can mail us as well. But like um, also on our our walkie talkie Facebook, right? Yeah, I mean, not just our personal ones. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Don't message us on our personal accounts unless you know us. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, one, I, I want us to finish up soon because we're, we're going long. But one last thing I want to say is that there was a pretty like, big spoiler that was announced. I don't know if you heard about this. Morgan? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not so much the news itself that, that – bothers me but it's that it, we've we're all told it and mm. it seems like it's basically telling us that morgan is going to die prematurely not that like his death is premature but like we're finding or out about could, it prematurely or morgan can go be morganish some I yeah mean, he's been known to do that right go clear somewhere in you know florida right. or something i just don't like knowing in yeah. advance who's leaving the show i'm and with so I, you i kind of wish that i didn't know that um I'm, but yeah morgan is going to be on fear of the walking dead but i think fear of the walking dead takes place before yeah the events now that's confusing because we've never heard morgan say anything about being i think that takes place in, yeah oh no well <laughs> <laughs> i was on another show before all this right <laughs> I mean, we have a quite a bit of Morgan's story. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's kind of weird. But anyway, I just wanted to say I didn't really like that that was announced to us beforehand. Yeah. But yeah. you you talk about thinning the cast some. Well, yeah. there's at least one that we're losing. Yeah. Which I think is a little sad because Morgan is one of the few that's been there since the very beginning, even though he wasn't mm-hmm. there most of the time. I like that continuity with the first season. Yeah, what too. show ever had a character be on the pilot, disappear for except for one appearance in the third mm-hmm. season, tease his return for the entire fifth season, and then finally bring him back and have him on yeah. for like three years? That's yeah. so weird. And it's great. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I've got. Yeah, me too. All right. Signing off. Over and out.